These are the voices of Rotary. The voices that tell our stories. The voices that share our why. The voices that make our lives matter. The voices that relieve suffering and anguish. These are the voices of Rotary that change lives. Take a listen. Welcome to the podcast on polio and recent news releases with Rotary's response. I am Michelle Corradetti, past president of the Rotary Club of Medford, Oregon, and assistant district governor for Area 10 in District 5110. Polio, or poliomyelitis, is a paralyzing and potentially deadly infectious disease that most commonly affects children under the age of five. The virus spreads from person to person, typically through contaminated water. It can then attack the nervous system. On August 11th of 2022, I had the pleasure of conducting an interview via Zoom with Reg Ling in Winchester, England, who is the Rotary Foundation's Chief Information Officer for End Polio Now Coordinators and District 5110's Polio Plus Chair, Nelson Mailer, who is also a District Governor nominee. On August 25th of 2022, I had the pleasure of joining in on the Zoom meeting for the Polio Plus Chair's peer-to-peer meeting which encompassed four zones and ECN representatives. The guest speaker for this meeting was Mike McGovern. He is the chair of the International Polio Plus Committee which provides strategic direction to the Rotary's Polio Eradication Program. Mike represents Rotary on the Polio Strategy Committee of the Global Polio Eradication Initiative and is responsible with working with Rotary leaders around the world, raising money each year and in advocating to governments and others to contribute additional sufficient funds to end polio. Regling's Rotary titles and participation in the polio eradication efforts around the world is nothing short of impressive. And, and if you don't know, the reasons were I was an Empolio Now coordinator many years ago, and then I became a team leader for the Empolio Now coordinators in a whole host of countries in Southern Europe. And then they moved me up to do a whole range in Northern Europe. And of course, in that time, I developed a lot of expertise and a lot of facilities. And um, Robert Hall, who is uh, the vice chairman of the NPOLIO Now uh, Coordinators Group, he said, look, we want someone to be a chief information officer who can point newcomers to where they can find the information they need and help them with presentations and that sort of thing. Well, I obviously haven't done too bad a job of it because I'm in my third year now. There is definitely no grass growing under Nelson Mailer's feet in District 5110. Well, currently, um, I am the District Polio Plus Chair. I was asked to take on that position um, as a favor because someone had to step away uh, from the position and had been doing so for uh, three and a half years. Um, And uh, what I've come to learn in that position is that our district uh, started a Polio Plus Society uh, back in 2012 by Harriet Schlor and then District Governor Del Gray. And the concept there was to encourage people to get more involved in the eradication of polio and to commit at least $100 every year towards that cause. 
today we have nearly 700 members of our district within polio, our Polio Plus Society. And uh, so to my knowledge, I believe we are the very first Rotary District to bring forward that concept. Um, and uh, also I believe we are, uh, have the largest Polio Plus Society membership within any district in, in the world, I think. Um, and uh, what we're doing is continuing to help other districts uh, look at that concept and try to uh, see if they can't bring that about within their own district. Um, but uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants here within this district on Polio Plus Society. And in fact, basically one in four of our members here are a member of the Polio Plus Society within our district. So we're very proud of that. It was interesting to hear Mike McGovern's statistics on Rotary's overall percentage of giving. I heard a statistic today that uh, only 58% of the clubs in the world contribute to Polio Plus. Only 58%. Only about 15% of Rotarians. So, you know, and, and those numbers have always been low. They haven't always announced them. But, uh, you know, and, and but your, your part of the world, again, is, is a bit of an exception to that. The United States overall does much, much better on those numbers. Reg Ling gives a great history of polio and rotary in a nutshell. Let's hear it now. Well, polio has been with us um, uh, since Egyptian times. There are people who are shown on Egyptian hieroglyphics as having suffering from polio, or they were lame, but we'd interpret that as being polio. And there are a lot of famous people in the world through history who have suffered from polio. I'm not going to list recite the whole name of them, but some very important people. Polio was known, but it wasn't particularly widespread. Um, where it did exist in communities, um, it was in the community, uh, women picked it up, developed antibodies against it. When they gave birth to children, the children had the, uh, the antibodies in their own uh, systems. And uh, so there was a very, very high resistance to polio. And although it was lingering around and it cropped up here and there, it didn't really surface to hit the human race at all. But then we got clean. Then we started to introduce sewers and uh, public water supplies. And guess what? People weren't exposed to these viruses and problems they had before. And guess what? Women didn't develop the antibodies. Children came, had no antibodies. And when they came into contact with polio, they readily fell victim to it. Now, I say readily, it's only about one in 200 who are, who are exposed to it who will show any symptoms. However, for a short while, even if they show no symptoms, they're carriers, are silent carriers. And in their stools, which goes into whatever water system you've got, the virus goes on. And other people using that same water supply can pick up that virus. So you get what we call vaccine-derived polio virus problems. Because what's happened is that people are given vaccines, which are mostly the oral polio vaccine, which is based on a live polio virus. And there are fractions of it that get passed on. So they actually get virus given to them through the water they use. And by the way, parents... Uh, particularly susceptible. Changing nappies for babies is a, a good way to get exposure to uh, their, their uh, emerging 
polio viruses, so they can pass it on to other people as well. Well, anyway, we began to realize this, and there was a huge outbreak, particularly in North America, about the turn of the century. And we saw the beginning of all the mechanical ventilators, which we now call iron lungs, uh, where people were put in them to, to assist with the, their breathing if they were impacted in that way. And uh, while all this was going on, um, there was work going on on a totally different subject on smallpox. And smallpox was eradicated in 1980. And about that time, the RI president said, well, if smallpox can be eradicated, why can't we eradicate some of the other big diseases of the world? And he was led down a path to look at polio as being something to do. So they started the situation to immunize all the children in the Philippines against polio. It was the first 3H grant, Health, Humanity and Hunger grant. It was completed successfully and polio cases in the Philippines plummeted away. So shortly after that, he said, well, if we can do it in the Philippines, why can't we do it for the world? So we put out an appeal to raise $120 million to eradicate polio, not to eradicate polio, to immunize all the children in the world. We didn't have a clue what money we needed. We just worked on the number of children there were. We estimated how much a vaccine cost, multiplied the two numbers together, and came up with $120 million. In the three-year program, we raised $241 million. So Rotary International was sitting with this pot of money of $241 million, and they didn't know what to do with it. So they took it to the World Health Organization, who had supposedly been working on polio since 1948, when they were set up. And they said, well, let's take it to the World Health Assembly, which they did in May 1988. And there was a lot of discussion. And they changed the agenda. They adopted the program, but they said, we won't make it to immunize all the children in the world against polio. We'll make it to eradicate polio. But to do that, they needed a, um, a sensible organization that with the power to have some effect. So they started what is called the Global Polio Eradication Initiative. And the initial partners were the World Health Organization, Rotary International, Centers for Disease Control, and UNICEF, the United Nations Emergency Children's Fund. And they started to campaign and started to develop a program, a program which we now call the GPI infrastructure, which is used for administration of things that will help eradicate polio. And it went from success to success. So much so in 2007, which was you know, many years later, Bill Gates said, well, this is a good thing. Bill Gates doesn't like to drive fundraising. What he said is, we will match part of your fundraising. In fact, we will match all of your fundraising up to a certain level. Um, and we took on a challenge. It was, first of all, it was a $100 million challenge. Later, it became a $200 million challenge. We, in fact, met the $200 million challenge earlier than they anticipated. So Bill and Melinda Gates actually upped the ante and put more money in. And that was the beginning of what we now know as the annual Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation matching, which firstly was up to a 
um, a rotary contribution of $30 million. Uh, now it's up to $50 million. It's an agreement that is repeatedly updated. And it's only in recent weeks that the agreement has been made to extend the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation matching through to 2026, which is the end year of the current GPI strategic plan for the eradication of polio. What a history Rotary has with the global polio eradication effort. Let's hear about some of the successes of this initiative. When we started, or when it was started in 1988, polio was endemic in 125 countries across the world. Um, They had, at that time, had about 350,000 polio cases a year, 1,000 a day. In fact, it had been slightly more than that a bit earlier, but at the year time we started, 1988, it was about 1,000 a day. Today, well, it's only endemic in two countries. Uh, The number of cases is vanishingly small. If you add all the bits and pieces together, it's less than 200 cases a year. And they're mostly confined to two endemic countries, Pakistan and Afghanistan, and also to countries in Africa where what I was referring to earlier, the vaccine-derived poliovirus is starting to have an effect. Um, the trouble is every time you mention a name, it begs you to describe what that is. And I want to get out of that if I can. You know. But uh, so we've gone from 125 countries where it was rampant down to two, from 1,000 cases a day to, I don't know, 200 a year, just picking a number out of the air, but it's something like that, all right, of various types. But then you sort of, you're magnifying us out and you find there's wild polio virus and there's circulating vaccine-derived polio virus and then you find there's vaccine-derived polio virus but not circulating. Um, and you get special groups for, depending on the, um, the medical history of the potential sufferers, which then takes a different form in. But there were three types. Two of them have been eradicated. It was worldwide, 125 countries. Today, six of the World Health Organization geographic regions, or five of the six geographic regions, have been declared polio-free. So it's just one geographic region of the World Health Organization that we're looking at. And what we're now concerned with is the vaccine-derived polio virus. And in some respects, it's our own fault. Um, when we successfully eradicated wild polio virus 2, we had been giving up to that time a combination vaccine which included protection against type 2. And it was decided we could have a more efficient vaccine if we only vaccinated against types 1 and 3 and missed out type 2. So we introduced what was called the bipolar oral polio vaccine, which has been extremely successful. It was very effective in a lot of places. But there were people who had previously had the uh, trivalent polio vaccine, which had in it protection for um, wild polio virus 2, and that vaccine mutated. Now, it takes about 10 months before for the vaccine to go through this genetic modification to become something which is then contagious and 
can actually convey the, the virus to other people. Hey, we stopped in 2016 vaccinating against wild polio virus 2, and in 2017, we saw circulating vaccine-derived polio virus 2. What a surprise. But we've been focused on it because the, the solution is if you can vaccinate the population so their immunity to it rises, then it won't spread. They tried that, but there are always problems. We've also been through the COVID-19 era where a lot of vaccine programs stopped. But during the course of this, I mean, there's been a lot of work on vaccines, as you know, in that period. And one of the things that emerged was what they called the novel oral polio vaccine. And that doesn't mutate. And that is being used gradually, country by country across the world. And you're seeing the number of circulating vaccine-derived polio virus 2 diminishing fast. Now we'll move on to hear about what's happening and recent news alerts. Andy, you know, there are a lot of questions about what's going on with polio of late. Uh, you know, last year, you know, there were only six cases worldwide. We stand at 20 uh, as of this as of uh, this morning. Uh, five of those are in Mozambique, one in Afghanistan, and the rest of them are in uh, Pakistan in areas where we've seen cases before where uh some of the communities are the friendliest toward the polio program, but nonetheless, they're, they're working hard to, to overcome that. Uh, I'm going to divert a little bit. I'm getting a lot. We get a lot of questions about what's going on in in London and what's going on in New York. And for those that may not be aware, uh, there have been quite a few news stories of late, uh, beginning first with London, that there was a positive environmental sample that came out of a sewer treatment plant there that showed that circulating vaccine-derived polio was present in the water. That means that someone in the area, or quite a few people, might have been walking around with polio, uh, but had not actually uh, developed symptoms enough that they that they went and visited a medical facility. In, in London, it, it ended up there were more positive environmental samples from other spots uh, in the London area. And... Uh, but no one has actually, there's no case of an individual who, who has actually stepped forward and been tested and has been found to have polio. It's all, it's all based on environmental samples. Uh, the, the government there is, is proceeding. They're, they're immunizing, uh, you know, I think it's up to age 10 uh, in, in that region. Uh, and, you know, as, as it would be as in the area of the community with the first positive environmental sample was was a place where across the UK was probably where uh, immunization rates were lower than anywhere else. So, you know, there's really not that much news there except the government's responsive. Uh, you know, rotary monies are not being used there. The government is footing the expenses in relation to the immunization. It was a bit of a shock uh, since then to hear that in Rockland County, New York, which is just north of uh, New York City, if you've ever been over what used to be the Tappan Zee Bridge, now the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Uh, that's Rockland County, New York. And there was a 20-year-old person who uh, went to a hospital in New York City, and uh, they did testing, and they found that he uh, had vaccine-derived polio. Uh, there's been very little information that's come out of New York 
in terms of any more about the individual or whether or not he's traveled, you know, with any medical situation, there's privacy concerns and whatever. But uh, he he is from a community. They haven't even announced the, the gender nor the age, but it's a 20-year-old male. Uh, the, the community where he's from, uh, only about 60% of the people get vaccinated. There was also a measles outbreak there a couple of years ago. So, you know, it, it just shows the, the importance of vaccinations. Subsequent to the this case in Rockland County, they did more environmental testing in Orange County, which is just north of uh, Rockland County, town, city of Newburgh, but in, any of you may, some of you may have heard of it. Uh, we have a lot of rotary meetings in the Northeast there because it's right on the high, that's where two highways come together. But anyway, that's tested positive uh, in the environment in New York City itself. A number of testing locations there have, have been positive. I did, by coincidence, last weekend I was in uh, that vicinity speaking to a rotary group, and we were within 20 minutes of where the positive case was. Uh, and what was really interesting is one of the nights we were there, they had some issue with the water, and the water wasn't working because it was a Park, Park Ridge Marriott, nice hotel, but there was no there was no water. And then so in the morning, turned on the the water and there was this you know bubbles and spout and then dirty water came out of the sink and my thought was you know i'm in an area with this positive environmental samples of polio and you know here, here we are with water that uh looks like it might have been contaminated somehow and there was no you know boil water thing but you know it it just goes goes back to you know the old, the old adage that you know it's, it's a plane ride away for, for me it was a water fossil away our problem was the um, sudden appearance in London and very shortly afterwards in New York of something they called vaccine-derived poliovirus 2. It wasn't circulating in the way it normally is. It didn't have the same characteristics as the circulating vaccine-derived virus. And there's been so many alarmist papers on it. Do you know I've read in the last two weeks over a 100 papers on it. Some are very alarmist. Some of them are very explanatory. None of them have got a solution um, other than they say we must keep up polio immunizations to keep our herd immunity high so we are resistant to infection. But the interesting thing, in the last week, there have been no more cases or no more reports of any other contacts or environmental samples. I think and this is personal. I think this is associated with the um, coming through the lockdowns in international travel that occurred during the COVID-19 era. And we're seeing people traveling more freely. And some of those passengers will have gone to places where polio is endemic or where there's traces of the vaccine derived one circulating it. They may not be infected themselves. They become silent carriers and bring it home. And it just so happens in both cities, um, the areas it sprung up in are areas in those cities where the vaccine immunity level, sorry, the virus immunity level was not high. So there's been a great concern in New York, in various counties, and in round London too, um, and immunisation has been stepped up. And I hope it's been in time. And the last week has shown no more reports. How long that will continue, I don't know. But it's had some effect. 
Malawi and Mozambique have been also in the news of recent. Let's hear about what's happening in those regions of the world. Well, both the wild polio virus one cases that occurred in um, Malawi and Mozambique have the same genetic footprint as one that was in Pakistan the year before. What we haven't found out is exactly what route it took and who were the carriers, but there are a huge number of opportunities for that to have occurred. There's even one school of thought that says that Jerusalem's involved as well. Um, so, you know, <laughs> where do you draw the line? Uh, it, it's very difficult. Um, all we can do is say, look, we've got a warning. There have been some more cases. We've got to make sure the immunization levels are high. Um, and I'm pleased to say in most countries, the political will to do that is there. And they have the means, or if they don't have the means, with the help of GPEI, they can get the means to actually carry out immunization campaigns. And they're doing more and more environmental sampling. Environmental sampling does nothing other than tell you where you might have to look to protect communities. If you've got, um, um, you've been taking samples down the, the Nile Valley and it's very, very high, you don't start looking down the Mississippi Delta to see whether it's there. You look at the Nile Delta. So that's what it is. It says, hey, we may have a problem here. We've got to bring our immunity up. I've been at a lot of meetings the last few weeks uh, with the partnership with WHO, UNICEF, CDC and those folks. Uh, Gates Foundation, and you know, everyone remains fairly optimistic, but you know they're concerned about the, this outbreak in southern Africa. It's, it's ended up, it's uh, cost us, uh, the partnership, $85 million to address the breakout in Malawi and in, in Mozambique, a part of which has been funded by Rotary. Uh, they, they're doing immunizations there. Uh, it, it, I think it's, it's like this time of the month that starts uh, every month now until December. In early August of 2022, Rotary International's president, Jennifer Jones, visited Islamabad, Pakistan, where she reported that the frontline female healthcare workers are the key to the polio eradication in that country. In Islamic communities in particular, um, the women and look after the children and they have a good relationship with other women and their children and they can make house to house calls and they can be invited in and they can tell the the mothers about what the problems are and why they should receive the vaccine and for the most part they are successful men don't have quite the same um abilities in these islamic countries they cut they can't visit households in the same way um they tend not to want to do so either, but they're slightly different in their, their attitudes to, to, to life and to uh, the genders as well. So women are very important, um, but the problems are there are some extremist groups in the Islamic countries who are really against women taking these major roles. And there's a lot of them, um, there can be a lot of problems leveled at them. Um, what's happened in Pakistan more than anything else though, is they haven't been attacking the immunization teams, but they've been attacking the guards of the immunization teams. I think it was last week we had another two policemen killed in Pakistan 
who were guarding um, a, a female vaccination team that was doing something in the village. And um, they haven't decided yet who was to blame. No one's owned up for it. But they deliberately killed the police guards to the people that they were escorting the immunisation team through the village and onto other places, uh, and they were shot. Jennifer Jones, the first female Rotary International president, is also the co-chair of the End Polio Now Countdown to History Campaign Committee. Jennifer Jones is confident that Pakistan will eradicate polio. In fact, the government plan in Pakistan is it will be eradicated before the end of 2023. Indeed, the GPEI plan is that all wild polio viruses will be eradicated by the end of 2023. So what about Afghanistan? It's very difficult because there's the political overtone, of course. Um, when the Taliban came in, they, they've in fact gone backwards and they're uh, they have measures that uh, prohibit women taking public office and doing this, that, and the other. They have to wear the burqa when they're out and all those sorts of things, which is a step backwards because under the previous administration, when the uh, the British and the Americans were there, they were heading down a path of more like Western countries. Uh, so that's affected them. The other thing is that they've had a lot of conflict in the country, and because of the conflict in the country, some of the, the routine immunisation programmes did not occur. And, um, in fact, the cases that have appeared in Pakistan recently are located in was, uh, Waziristan, which is the province directly on, on the border with Afghanistan, and the people infected, the children infected, are in families that had come from Afghanistan and they had not had polio drops. So it's still circulating in Pakistan. These are vulnerable people. It happens they were affected. All the cases are in a very small area. In fact, a lot of the cases are in the same family. Um, so while all the things are going on in Afghanistan, some people are trying to get out of the country into Pakistan, as I've just indicated. But they've also got conditions of famine coming, and they've got a big drought, and a lot of their uh, seasonal crops have failed. Um, the Taliban has created political instability. They've reintroduced gender discrimination. They've got a, um, climate hazards there with the drought, um, because they're not immunizing, not just for polio, but for other things as well. They're getting more and more diseases. But they've just um, started a program which they hope will, in fact, start to tackle some of these things. But it's not going to be an easy job. Uh, one of the problems with Afghanistan is we know what the reports are. We don't know what is not being reported. It may not even be measured, so they might not be able to report it. It's, it's just a closed country for getting the information we need. Before we wrap up this podcast, I wanted to bring a little levity with some history of the Walt Disney Mary Poppins song, A Spoonful of Sugar. But it was yeah. the um, lyricist for, for Mary Poppins was struggling to find words for a song. 
and his young son, I think it was, came home from school and they, it disturbed his dad, of course, but the dad said, well, what have you done today? He said, oh, I had my polio drops. And they started talking about it and the fact that he received it on a cube of sugar. And um, that was the beginning of uh, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in Mary Poppins. Nelson Mailer gives some key takeaways that we should all think about in regards to what is happening with Rotary's polio eradication efforts. Some of the takeaways from all of this says, uh, first and foremost, we need as Rotarians, as uh, leaders within our communities to continue to educate our members and our community about why this is such an important cause and, and why we need to continue to have it stay uh, front and center in our focus. We need to advocate for this cause um, throughout our clubs and throughout our communities so that we can see firsthand what happens when uh, things get away from us a little bit. Um, and then obviously we need to fundraise. And uh, you know, part of the fundraising can be uh, becoming a member of the Polio Plus Society. Know, continuing to raise funds through uh, uh, fundraisers in order to generate more money so we can help meet the expectations not only of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation match, but also of the greater need um, at the uh, GPI level uh, so that we can truly see if we can become polio-free by 2026. I would like to thank Reg Ling, the Chief Information Officer for the Rotary Foundation and the End Polio Now coordinators, Mike McGovern, the chair of the International Polio Plus Committee, and Nelson Mailer, District 5110's Polio Plus chair, for participating and providing information for this podcast. I would like each and every one of you to think about RI President Jennifer Jones's theme for this Rotary year. Imagine Rotary. Let's imagine a world without polio. Thank you for joining me on this podcast today. I am Michelle Corradetti of the podcast team for District 5110. Stay tuned for other interesting stories on the Voices of Rotary. There is so much need out there. Have you ever wondered how you can help? Join us for the journey at voicesofrotary.org.